Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. Okay, folks, as always, we welcome you to MIP. And we have with us uh, once again a dear friend and colleague and comrade in the struggle. What are we going to do about? gun violence. It continues to happen. I've been talking for the past year about the three demics, the pandemic, the police-demic, and the pistol-demic of gun violence. We got to do something, y'all. We cannot continue to be anesthetized. What happened in Atlanta, what happened in Boulder. And so, you know, a lot of times we like to call out the NRA and Republicans and all these people, but my comrade here is leading a coalition in a letter that actually calls out a Democrat, the top Democrat, and challenges him, which, you know, some people think you're not supposed to do. But he's in office. He's in power. We need to strengthen his resolve, his backbone, and, and give him a foundation on which to stand. The people are demanding this. So let's hear all about this. Let's see what we can get done. Once again, joining us. From GunsDownAmerica.org, our friend, our comrade, Igor Volsky. Hey, brother. How you doing, man? Hey, Mark. Thanks so much for for having me. And uh, you're right. We are launching a coalition letter to President Joe Biden. And Mark, the message that we're sending, given the three mass shootings we just lived through in Atlanta, in Chicago, in Boulder, Given the fact that this president, as we've discussed, inherited uh, a spike in gun homicides in big cities across the country, a spike in suicides that's related to the COVID pandemic, uh, a spike in political violence, extremist armed political violence, this president, we believe, has no choice but to prioritize gun reform. 
And the good news is that he cares about this issue. He's worked on this issue. He's taken on the NRA and he's won on this issue. And you'll remember when he was running for president, he argued that his experience in Washington, D.C., really gave him the tools, gave him the know-how to bring Democrats and Republicans together and to get big things done. So we're calling on President Biden to live up to his campaign promise and to uh, release a comprehensive plan for and vision for reducing gun violence at the joint session of Congress, uh, the speech that he's going to be delivering shortly. He said a couple of days ago that he's not going to wait a minute longer to get this done. And I'm proud to say that the coalition that we've put together of Giffords and Brady and March for Our Lives and so many other wonderful organizations are not going to wait a minute longer to hold him accountable to the promises he made us. So, it, it, and to be clear, um, I mean, this is a challenge in the sense that it's not that he's not willing. It's that, you know, we need to kind of push him and back him up because, you know, the, the, the Beltway prognostications are that this still won't happen. Nothing will yeah. be done. Republicans won't budge. We got to get rid of the filibuster. Um, uh, the letter that you all have written, and, and again, um, um, well, let's do this. I, I, just to reiterate, list the organizations, because many of the um, major anti-gun violence organizations are on this letter, aren't they? Yeah, there, there's so many of them, Mark. I'll give you just a taste of a couple, and excuse me, as I, as I look to my screen to do that. That's fine. Uh, we, have, we have Brady's, we have Cities United, we have Coalition to Stop God Violence, Community Justice Action Fund, Newtown Action Alliance, Giffords, uh, our organization, Guns Down America. Uh, the Health Alliance for Violence Intervention, or Javi, uh, the Heartland Alliance, which is a wonderful organization in, in Illinois that does uh, gun violence reduction work, uh, Life Camp, the great Erica Ford group, yep. Another Another Child, uh, uh, This Is Our Lane, the doctors who've come together a couple of years ago, March for Our Lives. So this is a real cross-section, Mark, of organizations uh, in our space, both kind of the traditional gun violence prevention organizations, the community organizations who do this work on the ground, who deal with cyclical gun violence. And I shouldn't mention, by the way, because we've discussed this in the past as well, that we are calling for a comprehensive plan from, from the president that not only includes things like ensuring that the Senate passes the measures that the House saw through a couple of weeks ago, right? The, the universal background check measure, for instance, but that also that the president in the skinny budget that he's going to be releasing shortly, that he lives true to his campaign promise of investing directly in the communities that have been impacted by gun violence. We got to see a down payment on that, Mark, mm -hmm. in the skinny budget that the administration releases. Yeah. Now, as to the challenges, um, Maybe we better write a letter to Joe Manchin, too. Uh, Maybe we will. Because I don't get it. How does one person, how is one person able to to undermine anything like this? He's not the president. I mean, how does one individual in the Senate get to uh, uh, 
hold things up the way he does. Ultimately, we do have to get rid of this filibuster. I mean, that's ultimately where this is headed, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think the the, the good news, Mark, is that there's actually a pathway to get this done, right? We get rid of the filibuster. We're able to pass these measures, these critical life-saving measures, with a simple majority in the Senate. That puts a lot more pressure on Senator Manchin. And I got to tell you, Mark, the combination of President Biden leveraging his relationship with Joe Manchin and the voters and citizens of West Virginia organizing and coming together and urging their senator to support a measure that is so common sense, universal background checks, that is supported by the overwhelming majority of West Virginians, the overwhelming majority of Americans across the country. I believe that if we uh, pressure the senator uh, that he will he will do the right thing here. Um, okay, so uh, in in this letter, folks, this is the uh, the call, on, and this just went out March twenty fifth. So there's probably the White House probably has not had a chance to react to the, it. Or have you the, heard from uh, so we we I'll tell you, Mark, we uh, sent the letter to the White House late last night, uh, and they confirmed that they that they did indeed receive it. Okay, so that's good. Uh, and you all are calling on the president to meet personally, um, with organizations and voices advocating for gun reform to articulate a comprehensive plan and vision for enacting critical reforms and making essential community investments that have been shown to reduce um, gun violence. Such a plan must include a suite of executive actions, is, is what the letter says, folks, a budgetary commitment to invest in the communities most impacted by everyday gun violence, the appointment of a Bureau of uh, ATF director who will ensure needed oversight and accountability for the gun industry and an aggressive plan to engage Congress on this critical issue that is killing over 100 Americans every day. So talk to us about the ATF piece. Where, yeah. where is that? So, Mark, this is incredibly important. The ATF is really the only organism in the federal government that regulates firearm manufacturers and firearm dealers. It's the, the office within the Department of Justice that uh, provides oversight and uh, audits, uh, for instance, gun dealers to ensure that they're complying with all of the laws in the books, to ensure, for instance, that they're running background checks, right? That's incredibly important. Um, and it also uh, oversees the way firearm manufacturers do business. And for far too long, the NRA has been incredibly successful in stifling the operations of this office. It will not surprise you, right? And so as a result, even though um, the ATF is, is technically supposed to audit gun dealers, I think every year, because they are so small, uh, they're only able to do a fraction uh, of that work. So they just need to be expanded. They need more funding. Maybe they need to be restructured. But most importantly, what they need, what the president has the ability to do is to nominate someone for this position that believes that the ATF can play a robust role in, uh, in regulating and oversight and accountability um, and can then lead that um, that office uh, to, to real change, uh, to, to ensure that that part of the equation, uh, the supply side, if you will, of firearms, um, is it also, you know, has accountability around it. 
Yeah, uh, no, that's very important. Now, the other thing, too, and Mm -hmm. Igor, you're always very, very good at this. Walk us through, in whatever order, Chicago, Atlanta, Boulder. Yeah. There, because of the lack of, of adequate legislation and what have you, is it not true that in each of these cases, in fact, Boulder specifically, within days, uh, of, of a court ruling. But in each of these cases, there's there was the ability for these shooters to get access to vi- firearms because of either court rulings or a lack mm-hmm. of adequate legislation. So mm-hmm. uh, let me give you the floor. Can just can you kind of just walk us through that? Yeah. I want people to hear um, how, you know, the the lack of vibrant legislation, uh, the lack of of judges who make the right court rulings, how this is literally enabled? Yeah, no, that's that's an excellent question. And let's take two of these mass shootings, the Atlanta shooting and the Boulder shooting. In the Atlanta shooting, that individual was able to purchase the firearm he used to take eight innocent lives just hours before he went on that rampage. And the reason for that is is because Georgia does not have a cooling off period. 10 states in the District of Columbia require an individual to wait a period of time. It averages between 72 hours and a couple of weeks before they can actually get their hands in a firearm. And what research has shown, Mark, is that that kind of period, that kind of cooling down waiting period, can reduce suicides because, as you know, those are often very impulsive. And also, according to one study, has a 17% reduction in homicides. If that kind of provision would have been in place in Georgia, in Atlanta, things could have turned out very differently. Now, let's look at Boulder. As you know, in 2018, the city of Boulder banned assault weapons. But just about 10 days before the shooting or before the individual purchased the firearm in that shooting, a judge decided that the city of Boulder could not enforce that provision, that ban. And so this individual who's alleged to have killed 10 people in Boulder, Colorado, was able to walk in, purchase an assault style pistol and take the lives of 10 people. These are two instances where tougher gun laws would have saved lives. Because we hear, and you know this, from people all the time on the other side who tell us, well, this background checks wouldn't have prevented this, and this wouldn't have prevented that, and there's just nothing we can do. We have to live with all the death and destruction. These two instances demonstrate to us that that's absolutely false. Yeah. And, and, we know we see the situation <clears throat> in Atlanta and this relationship to racism and hate. Um, you know, it, it's like these incidents keep getting put in silos, you know. So in Chicago, that's the cliche of black on black violence, which yeah. is a term that I abhor and, and you abhor along with me. Um, and um, I've reached out to I was texting Pastor Mike and uh, Erica. Mm-hmm. And, and they're welcome to join us if they like. Um, so there's that silo. And, and it's kind of like that's it's it's sort of a tribalization of victims, you know, that that keeps, you know, keeps everybody confused. So 
There's violence in Chicago. That's just random black folk gun violence, black on black. Then you have Atlanta. That's hate crime. And then the category in Boulder, I don't know what that dude that is. That's just some random dude, white dude, because that's not anything. That's that's still in some people's minds who won't move an anomaly. This is just something we can't help. And this guy, he's got a mental health problem or whatever. But I'm having a hard time. Really. And, and I think we all should, Igor. I'm having a hard time delineating between the three. Uh, a mass shooting, <laughs> at the end of the day, a mass shooting is a mass shooting is a mass shooting. Is, is it not? And what they all have in common, Mark, is that in all of those instances, in Atlanta, in Boulder, in the kind of everyday gun violence we see in places like Chicago or Baltimore, the common denominator is easy access to firearms, yeah. Yeah. right? So in the Atlanta and and um, in Boulder situation, that's uh, that that's that's an ins- those are instances where an individual walked into what it looks like to be a a federally licensed firearm shop because the laws are so weak, was able to easily acquire firearms and carry out the damage that both of those individuals carried out, killing a combined total of 18 people in those two shootings. And then in areas like Chicago and uh, and Baltimore, where there's cyclical everyday gun violence, a lot of those firearms are trafficked in from states with weaker gun laws, where folks go in, buy lots of guns easier in an easy in an easy way right because again the bar is so low and then traffic those firearms into a place like illinois that actually has pretty tough gun laws um but guns are coming in from other states so that's the connection easy access to firearms the question is what do we do a we tighten up the laws we raise the bar right for gun ownership but we also, as we're doing that, must simultaneously invest in communities that live with the pain and sorrow of everyday gun violence. Because we know, as we've discussed, that community violence intervention programs that identify the small number of individuals in a given community that are responsible for the overwhelming majority of everyday gun violence, that those programs that offer opportunities to those individuals that change the norms for those individuals are so successful in reducing gun violence. Those programs have been shown, have been associated with a reduction in gun homicides of between 30 and 60%. Joe Biden promised to fund, fund those initiatives. And that's what we're asking him to do. Tell our audience more about investment in communities and, and what exactly is meant by that and the difference that will make Igor. Yeah, so the, the, uh, the investment in uh, communities piece is so incredibly critical. And Mark, uh, you know, in our movement, uh, as, as I think we've also discussed in the past, uh, we historically, uh, have done a very, um, let's say it poor job of talking about the pain of everyday gun violence for so long. When I first joined this movement in 2015, for so long, it was always focused on mass shootings and that the the tragedy of everyday gun violence just wasn't mentioned. And here we are in 2021, and we finally reached a place where our movement has really come together, where the uh, gun violence prevention organizations and the community groups are working together, 
where we're both supporting each other, where we're, where we're saying that for us to be successful in reducing lives, we need both tougher gun laws and investment on the community level. And by the way, and we've talked about this before, that that investment can take many forms. Part of it is government funding using existing grants in places like the Department of Health and Human Services into community programs and additional funding that the president has promised. But the other part is also a private, a, a public private partnership where businesses in those communities, particularly some of our nation's largest businesses and corporations can invest, create jobs in the communities that are besieged by everyday gun violence because that has the effect mark of uh, increasing employment, increasing economic security, and reducing gun violence in communities. You probably aware of this, but this crossed the wire last night. Um, an Atlanta man was arrested with six guns and body armor at a Publix grocery store two days after 10 people were murdered at a grocery store in, in Colorado. Um, here we have this other individual. So, folks, again, these incidents are not as isolated. Uh, as they would seem. And so what is, can we, is, is there any explanation for this moment in time? I mean, just in the past, what, two or three weeks? Mm -hmm. um, and we know how common these are already, but is there something going on um, that we need to be aware of either in the, in, in the, on the dark web or, or what? Well, Mark, what I can tell you, um, and as you are alluding to, you know, gun violence happens in America every single day, right? The numbers are we lose about 100 lives, 200 are injured every single day from guns in this country. Uh, and though a lot of people think that we saw a dip in mass shootings in 2020, as so many of us were locked in our homes and quarantining, uh, the fact of the matter is we actually saw more mass shootings in 2020 than we did in 2019. Uh, part of that is because, as we've discussed, there's been a rush, uh, a rush on gun sales uh, across the country, partly as a response to, to the COVID pandemic. So I don't know, um, uh, you know, if there's any relation at all between the publicized mass shootings we've been talking about this week. But what I do know is that people in this country are losing loved ones to gun violence every single day. And like you, Mark, I want to break the cycle of a mass shooting happens. We talk about it. Even our leaders who support reform talk about it. And then nothing gets done because it's not the right time. And the politics aren't there and the votes aren't there. And what we're saying in this powerful new coalition is that we've been waiting too long. We don't need to hear those kinds of excuses. The time to act is now. There will never be a perfect time. There will never be a perfect moment. And hey, you know what? We don't know what's possible until we actually try, until the president puts his shoulder into it, until all of us around this country lobby and urge and push uh, uh, our elected representatives 
to get this over the finish line. We're joined now by Pastor Mike of Live Free, uh, my com- other comrade, also in this struggle. And he's on the letter as well. Pastor Mike, good morning. It's early out on the West Coast. Hey, brother, how you feel this morning? Man, it is early. Y'all, y'all get that three-hour head start on us. But <laughs> <catching> up. <laughs> um, hey, Pastor Mike, so good to see you. You too, Brother Igor. Thank you for all the partnership. These are two of the, the people that I go to when we discuss this issue, issue, and they also happen to be friends of mine, folks. Pastor Mike, I see you, you're, you're on this letter. Talk to us about this letter, its significance, and, and the effect you think it will have. You think the Biden administration uh, will respond in the way we want them to? Well, you know, I, I must admit, uh, I was experiencing some Groundhog Day, you know, when I saw the way the conversations were rolling out related to the Atlanta and the uh, Boulder, Colorado shootings. You know, my engagement at the federal level on this issue came immediately after the Newtown uh, shootings. And back then, urban gun violence was not deemed as a political worthy conversation. And that was expressed to me by folks in the White House, in the gun control groups, in the Congress, D.C. folks. And so a lot of us have had to work very hard over the last decade or so just to bring uh, the issue of gun violence in Black and Brown communities uh, into the conversation. Um, And so, you know, part of why we signed on to the letter was because we have made a commitment that as long as uh, the funding for gun violence prevention programs becomes a part of the national conversation with all the gun control groups, with the White House, uh, with uh, key members in the Congress, uh, then we would bring our folks to the table and try to push, uh, as Igor and others have have been saying. And so um, I think President Biden, uh, when he was a candidate, Uh, along with many of the other presidential candidates on the Democratic Party side, committed to funding or investing federal dollars into uh, gun violence prevention programming in black and brown communities. We can't let the political intractability related to gun control paralyze the national conversation and actions we can take to prevent gun violence. And so I do think there has to be a kind of uh, meeting of the minds in the sense of like, what are the pragmatic things that we can get done, common sense solutions that address the uh, the many ways that gun violence shows up in our communities. This time can be different if we can be uh, much more imaginative and creative in our solution-oriented approaches and build a coalition of uh, directly impacted people, victims and crime survivors, uh, uh, mayors and police chiefs and district attorneys, uh, local and state representatives to kind of merge together to put pressure on D.C. And in that way, I think a new political coalition can be built that comes alongside the more traditional gun control groups that uh, continue to push for uh, very needed regulation on the kind of surplus of guns in our country. So we were just talking with Igor about investment, too, in communities. And I know you've been working hard on that. Being creative and imaginative, that's an intriguing way to look at it. G- give us um, an example, a hypothetical, Pastor Mike, so our audience can kind of get, because I think people are just bewildered, don't know what to do. Yeah. What do you mean by, by investment in communities and, and dealing with victims? Give us an example of maybe a way or an idea that that can be done. So just to con- contextualize gun violence in this country, two to three percent of all gun deaths are a result of 
the kind of traditional mass shootings, right, that happen. Only 2 to 3%. Over 50% of gun-related deaths are suicides. Then you have about 40% uh, that are within um, kind of uh, uh, urban communities or, or high-density neighborhoods uh, that are impoverished, that are disinvested in. Then you have intimate partner violence, and then you have accidental shootings. So all of these, all of these issues require a particular targeted response, right? And so often we go for uh, the sensationalized shootings, right, and try to build our whole political coalition strategy around that singular event. And, and I, I understand why, because most folks don't uh, respond to anything until it impacts them directly, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think if we were to look at the community's responses to gun violence that we've been working on for at least the last 20 years, there's lots of great research on how to build an imaginative solution. Usually it's grounded in public health and epidemiology type results where you target the individuals who are driving the largest amounts of violence. And so in this way, in Oakland, in New York, in uh, uh, Stockton, in Baton Rouge, and, and uh, parts of Chicago, we have built these fascinating uh, imaginative coalitions between uh, moms who've lost loved ones to violence, uh, young men who used to uh, shoot but now have been rehabilitated, uh, mm -hmm. law enforcement leaders who understand that they can't arrest their way out of the uh, out of the issue, uh, outreach workers and intervention specialists, job creators and, and uh, workforce development folks, uh, prosecutors, all of us sit around tables in different spaces and we construct these solutions that literally get 30% to 70% reductions in gun-related shootings and homicides within 18 months. And so in many of our cities that do this work, we've seen reductions within 18 months Regardless of who the president is, the mayor and the city council usually matters because it requires an allocation of the budget, right? But we can organize our people to push for these kinds of scaled up solutions. And the tax base of the local, state, and federal government has to be put into uh, use to fund and sustain public safety solutions that do not center or over rely on policing. That is an imaginative coalition. When we started the work, mm -hmm. they used to call our work hug a thug. That's what the police department used to call it. Y'all just want to hug a thug. And now they I'm are right. champions of this work. Why? Because when you focus your uh, policing or enforcement on the small number of individuals driving violence, you usually have less officer-involved shootings. Your officers are not driving into hot uh, shootout spots. Um, and you have less... Uh, 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 police brutality claims because you're not jacking up the quote-unquote wrong person. All of this stuff works, but people have to really defer to folks who are literally in the neighborhoods across the country doing this work and allow us to inform the policy as it rolls out. You know, uh, Igor, Pastor Mike was talking about uh, Groundhog Day and Deja Vu. I wrote a piece for Uptown Magazine uh, right after the Colorado theater shooting. I think that was Aurora. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, that's, that's almost a decade ago. Lord have mercy. Um, and I wrote about how the myth of exclusive black on black gun violence um, was harmful to white folk mm -hmm. because there's this perception that just happens in our community, in the urban community. We don't get shot up. 
And nobody's going to do that to us. Um, I was saying to Igor before you came on, Pastor Mike, I'm having a hard time delineating. So we have these out. We saw what happened in Chicago. And that's articulated in one context. We saw what happened in Atlanta. And that's articulated in the context of, 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 of hate crime. And then we see this. I'm having a hard time delineating uh, between the three. Just some of the contexts are different. And Igor pointed out earlier how they're related. Um, but also what I'm seeing, um, when we've seen violence, gun violence in the black community, Igor, People almost get numb to it. It's, it's been there so long. It's happened for so many years. People feel helpless and they get numb. Now I'm seeing that even, and that's what I was saying in that piece eight years ago. And now I'm seeing that even amongst, or nine years ago, even amongst white folks. It's like, you know, folks get killed at the grocery store. That's just a fact of life. Nothing we can do about it. Um, and we're numb. So Igor, what, what can we do? Um, in addition to all that's been said, to push back against the numbness and the anesthetization of of people feeling so helpless in this situation. Yeah, well, Mark, there's a question of what can we do, and then there's the question of what can our leadership do, right? What can a leader who ran on this issue aggressively, the president, who talked about his plan for investing in communities, just as Pastor Mike was talking about, what can he do? And what we've been asking the White House to do is to use, one, <laughs> to use the bully pulpit of the presidency to talk to the American people about this issue, to talk to the American people about the very impactful solutions that Pastor Mike was just laying out, to when he's traveling around the country and selling the rescue plan uh, that he passed, to note that in that plan, is funding that cities and states could use to invest in the kinds of programs that so effectively uh, have been shown to reduce everyday gun violence. To when this president is traveling around the country to sell information, invest in communities uh, that are besieged by everyday gun violence, and that that can have the effect of reducing gun violence. Part of what we need, Mark, I think, is to depoliticize our issue, right? We can't be in this place where it's just background checks or assault weapons and everyone goes to their corners and, you know, and nothing ever gets done. The president has an opportunity to reframe this issue as the public health crisis that it is. He uses that language and that's great, but he needs to go further. He needs to fight for this funding he needs to include this funding in his budget and the one that his administration is getting ready to release now. Um, but, you know, breaking only he, I think, can reframe this issue in such a way that gets us out of what, what you were saying, Mark, which is the cycle of a shooting happens and we talk about it and nothing happens or people are throwing up their arms and saying, well, what can we do about it? We know what to do about it. We know what's worked. Uh, in this country, the programs that Pastor Mike was talking about, we know what stronger gun access laws do in the states that have them and in the nations around the world that have them. The solutions are out there. We need the political will to see it through. That's going to take this president leaning into it. And frankly, it's going to take all of us pushing him and pushing other elected officials to finally get us to a place where where we can save lives. 
Amen. Very well put. Um, uh, Pastor Mike, you first. Let people know how they can get involved in the work that, that Live Free is doing and, and whatnot, please. So our biggest push right now is the funpeacenow.com. Uh, it's a coalition of uh, national leaders and experts who uh, specialize in uh, black and brown gun violence prevention work um, at the both policy level, technical assistance level, frontline intervention level. You can go to funpeacenow.com. Please sign the petition. Um, please uh, forward the um, petition to your mayor, your city council, uh, your congressperson, and the White House. Um, we are always taught that a disorganized truth will find it difficult to defeat an organized lie. Mm. So our work has mm. to be about organizing power um, to shift the, not just the conversation, but the governance. I know mm -hmm. folks like to talk about ghost guns right now. I want to talk about ghost politicians and ghost elected officials. You got to show up and you got to govern in ways that um, really engender the people's trust. So go to funpeacenow.com and uh, join our work. Um, we need folks all across the country, particularly in our congressional districts, to make sure that the Congress provides the political backstop to this conversation. And part of this may also mean eventually uh, getting rid of the filibuster. So we are not... Uh, yeah. ruled and governed by the tyranny of the few uh, who have proven to be insurrectionists, uh, QAnon followers, racists, uh, wannabe authoritarians and fascists. We have to really govern in ways that bring the country back to the, uh, the democratic principles that are at least on paper um, the kind of uh, aspiration of this country. And I think uh, this is one issue that can help us get to that. All right, funpeacenow, folks, uh, dot, dot com or dot org? Did you? Dot com. Dot com. Funpeacenow.com. Please go there and sign the petition. Igor, uh, let our audience know how they can be in touch with you and what you'd like for them to do with Guns Down. Yeah, so folks can go to gunsdownamerica.org. They can see uh, all of our work there, all of our campaigns there. Um, but I just want to, you know, uh, ask your, your entire audience to really keep the pressure on our elected officials because this has to be a priority. This can't wait. We can and we must move on this issue now with the community funding piece, with the tightening gun laws piece. Again, this is a president who campaigned on doing hard things and arguing that he has experience in bringing Democrats and Republicans together to get things done. We need to urge him to lead because we need his leadership on this now more than ever. No, no you're right. We need to get him. To, we need to push him. Uh, and as, as just as Franklin uh, Roosevelt said to A. Philip Randolph, make me do it. <laughs> and that's really what we have to do. want to thank Igor Volsky of Guns Down, Pastor Mike of fundpeacenow.com, gunsdownamerica.org, fundpeacenow.com. Um, and folks, uh, we'll be in touch with these comrades during the course of this. Let's let's finally try to make something happen. And I think what they both have laid out in terms of some imaginative and creative approaches uh, beyond, as Igor said, the polarization of just, you know, background checks and and, and all of that, uh, this, this can be addressed. Thank you. Thank you to you both. And we're, we're all thankful. I think I speak on behalf of everyone that we're all thankful uh, for your work. And for those of you who think this can never happen to me, be reminded how often this happens every day. Do not. You know, a lot of people still think there's certain things that can't happen to me, but we're finding more and more. I, I, COVID can never happen to me. 
police violence can never happen to me. Mass shootings can never happen to me. But that, the number of people who are able to say that is dwindling by the hour. So folks, we need to take all of this um, very, very seriously. Thank you. Thank you, both of you brothers. I appreciate you, okay? Thank you, Mark. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been May Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.